0: Today, we continue our look into the disappearance of Johnny Gosh. In part two, we'll look more into Sam Soda and Paul Bishop, discuss the disappearance of some other young boys about Gosh's age, and get into some theories involving a nationwide pedophilia ring and the possible individuals connected to that. I'm Mike.
1: I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought things didn't add up last week, stick around, because further down the rabbit hole, we shall go. This is Necronomapod.
0: Uh, likes to hear chewing and eating in microphones, right? I most certainly do not. No? Yeah, but you're not the one listening, are you? How about you do the chewing? I brought a little snack.
1: (laughs) I was wondering where that was going.
0: (laughs) I wanted us to try. I had never seen these before, but Dave, you like mint chocolate chip ice cream like I do. Yeah! What do we got Mm -hmm. over there? Mint M&M's. Whoa! Here's a little ASMR for people you open this bag it's a fresh bag I bought these yesterday and I have been dying to open them I almost cheated and did looks great they are actually dark chocolate oh yeah, oh, yeah. that's going to be something it's like a bag of weed <laughs> smell it <laughs> take a couple oh I will buddy
2: oh those are fucking good those
0: are delightful. I can smell it in my hand. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> they're like peppermint patties, but, but M&M-shaped. shaped
0: and they are not as pepperminty as peppermint patties.
2: Mm-hmm. I love peppermint patties.
0: It's like a solidified, like a hardened mint ice cream.
2: That's really good.
0: And they come in fun little different green
2: colors. Mm-hmm. They're bigger than normal M&M's. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're like the size of a Mento or something.
0: Well, I'm going to leave those there. You guys help yourselves. You want more? You want one more round? Yeah, a little bit more. People like
1: us chewing. <laughs> I'm good. Maybe start vaping again, too, in there and really annoy them. Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> I, I actually don't like when people chew in the mics either, but I thought this would be fun to try. <laughs> those are fucking fantastic. I used to love the crispy M&Ms. Remember those? They used to be in the mm-hmm. blue bag before like those caramel ones came or the pretzel ones. Whatever's in the blue bag now. Yeah. Those crispy ones were good, just like a little cookie inside. Mm. And I think I think they stopped making them.
2: Yeah, I think they still have the pretzel ones. Those were okay. Yeah. I didn't love them. The caramel ones weren't bad. I never had those. That'd be all right. Mm-mm. Yeah, I could eat that whole bag in about two
1: minutes. Go for it, pal. No, <laughs> for all of us. Ian <laughs> <laughs> and I are gonna be talking. <laughs> um,
0: and what else? got a little something for us as a make good because people just heard us you know eating on the microphone fuck mary kill oh <laughs> <laughs> coming this out gonna, strong tonight <laughs> men and women i know i really should have saved one of these for the next show because i'll have nothing <laughs> now these are i'm gonna do a, like always a man a men's one and a women's one daytime talk show you guys want to do men or women first men fuck mary <laughs> kill howie mandel Maury, Dr. Phil, oh God. Howie Mandel, Maury, Dr. Phil. I'll go first if you guys want time to think. I can go first. Go ahead. Kill
1: Dr. Phil. Uh, fuck Howie Mandel, but like come all over his back because he's a big germaphobe. You just want <laughs> to hose him down. Go ATM with him. <laughs> and then uh, Mary Maury's cool guy. I'd hang out with Maury. That was my answer, too. Yeah little connie chung on the side yeah baby
2: <laughs> Right, this is gonna be controversial uh-oh i'm gonna kill howie mandel f Mari, and marry dr phil i actually watched or listened to dr phil on joe rogan's podcast a couple years ago yeah he was a really cool guy like not really? what i expected at all oh huh. super chill hmm. interesting dude so you to marry him? Yeah, I'll hang out with Dr. Phil. Who's the richest of
0: the three? Is
2: it Dr. Phil? Has to be. Yeah. He was hanging out with Oprah. Yeah. So at least you
0: got that going for you. Yeah.
2: Dave and I sure. will just.
0: Well, Dave and I will kill him. And then because you married him, you'll get all the money. That, that'll that work out. Yeah.
2: Wasn't he like a guest on Oprah's
0: yeah, I think show so. for a yeah, while? Yeah. Is that how he got his own little spinoff? I think, I think so. Pays to
1: be Oprah's pal certainly does you get a show you get a show you get a show
0: (laughs) i think we used her to f mary kill once and we married her because of just all of her money of course she's like the most powerful woman in the world
2: that chapelle skit where he gets her pregnant is probably one of the funniest ones he's ever made
0: (laughs) she did not make my women's talk show that's okay but i think i have a good one fuck mary kill this one I took a little lib- uh, liberties with. It may not be daytime. All of it. That's acceptable. Kelly, Kelly Rippa, Savannah Guthrie, Vanna White. Little known fact about me. We might have discussed on this show. When I was a little boy, my first crush was on Vanna White. I used to sit in front of the TV and go, ooh, big money, big money, and clap <laughs> when she was on. And then I had a big Vanna White poster on my door. Interesting. And when I, like, I was like under the age of five. I didn't know what a boner was at the
1: time. Allegedly. Vanna White, Kelly Ripa, Savannah Guthrie. kill Savannah Guthrie. F. Vanna White. You got to marry Kelly Ripa.
0: Oh, I think she's annoying. I would kill her. Really? Yeah, I think I would bang Vanna and then marry Savannah Guthrie. I like Savannah Guthrie. Okay. It's a bold choice. They're all hot. I like all three of them, but I think I find Kelly the most annoying. She's a little too... uh, excited in the morning, and I'm not a morning person, and I don't know if I can handle that.
1: She'll be out at work making millions, though, while you're sleeping. That's true. But on those days
0: off, (laughs) she'll be out there cucking me with Brian Seacrest. (laughs) Is that still who she's with, or is she with uh, Michael Strahan?
2: The
1: co-host? Yeah. I think Seacrest, yeah. Wasn't Strahan on that for a
0: while? Like, didn't he leave Fox?
1: He does, like, the morning show, I think, of Morning America.
0: Look at him now, just getting all of his own stuff all right well good for him
2: what do you got uh i am going to kill savannah Guthrie, f vanna white and mary kelly ripo that's, that's what right you answer. said is that what you said
0: no vanna white's older too but she's still looking real good mm-hmm. i can't believe she's still
1: working too she's been doing that show for over 30 years that's a blessed life right that's your job Spinning yeah. fucking tiles around. Does she even spin, them or don't you she just? She's just like, oh, you just have like, to tap. Them yeah, now, like tap. Right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> what do you do for a living? I tap. <laughs> I tap a wall.
1: Like you, you, you always say say about people. You know, a monkey could do your job. Literally, in this <laughs> scenario, a monkey could do her job, and probably our job because we just ate candy on,
0: <laughs> <laughs> into microphones. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's, as I uh, like to say, that's where the fun ends. Uh, should we just see everyone next week, or do you actually want to get into this? <laughs>
2: Let's get into
0: it. <laughs> You'll get rid of a fucking outline. <laughs> <laughs> getting into this.
2: Where we left off on part one, Noreen Gotch had been working on finding her son, Johnny, pretty much by herself. Before police chief Orville Cooney got arrested at a target for stealing some blank cassette tapes, he used to be actively working against the Gosh's finding their son. Sure seemed like it, right? Sure seemed like it. And it might not be anything necessarily like he's in the loop with all these creepy pedophiles we're going to be talking about. He might just have done that just because. asshole. Right. He didn't want to be bothered with it. And I have the police bothered with it. That's how it seemed. Uh, Then we ended with two people interjecting themselves in the case. A private investigator named Sam Soda and a supposed CIA agent in his 20s named Paul Bishop. According to Noreen, Sam Soda had a meeting with her at his office where he told her that a second paper boy would be kidnapped. And sure enough, on August 12th, 1984, 13-year-old Eugene Martin went missing and has never been seen again. Noreen said that she taped that conversation with Sam Soda, but no one from law enforcement or the media wanted to hear it. And... You know, I think it's worth noting that, that no one has ever heard that tape. There has never been any evidence put forth that this tape even exists. She
1: claims to still have it, but has never allowed it to be played anywhere.
2: Right. Interesting. Then Paul Bishop calls, says that Johnny has been sold into a pedophile ring and Sam Soda was the one driving the blue Ford Fairmont the night Johnny disappeared. So that's where we're at. That gets us caught up
1: what's Sam Soto's motivation in this? You think? That's what I'm most curious about.
2: I guess it depends on if you believe, if you believe he's an actual private investigator trying to solve something, or if he is the guy driving the blue fair yeah. board frameer. Yeah.
1: Either way, he seemed to have prior knowledge of a crime that was going to be committed and didn't do anything about it. Right? Was he the one that predicted that August thing, or was that Paul Bishop? That was
2: Sam Soto. Oh, Sam.
1: I'm not a fan of Sam
2: Soda. What do you think about that?
1: Or his alias Sam Coke or Sam.
2: (laughs) When I first started the research on this and I saw this guy's name popping up, I'm like, okay, this is not his name. Like, I'm going to try and find out what his real name is and dig in. But it is Sam Soda. (laughs) He's not the only one in the world either. There's a lot of Sam Soda. Sam Soda? Really? Yeah. It's a fun name, I guess. Noreen says that she told Sam Soda about Paul Bishop and Sam Soda wasn't happy about it. She says Paul Bishop went to Sam's office, and the two of them got into an argument. At that point, Sam Soda pulled some strings, which resulted in Paul Bishop having to testify to a federal grand jury about his whereabouts and what he was doing in Des Moines. Paul Bishop claims to be in the CIA, correct? Right. What
1: was the federal grand jury about?
2: Uh, I don't know because you just have to take Noreen's word for it. This is just
1: what she said.
2: I'm also
0: thinking, like, how did Sam pull strings to make this happen? Like, if we're still questioning who this
2: guy is. Yeah. Noreen says that Paul Bishop took a taxi to her home in West Des Moines where they were going to talk about that federal grand jury but they were interrupted by Sam Soda's phone calls demanding to know where Paul Bishop was.
1: <laughs> Don't <dumb> answer the phone. <laughs> it's talking about me.
2: To hide Paul Bishop, Noreen <laughs> set up Paul to stay the night at one of her friends' houses. After this, Paul Bishop supposedly traveled back to Washington, DC, two days later, under the fake name Robert Levesque. Noreen had received two phone calls from him and never heard from him since. What the
1: fuck is going on here? A lot of interesting characters in this story. Mark me down as
0: undecided at this point. (laughs) I've not made up my mind on what
2: happened. All right, let me pencil you in for that. Undecided. (laughs) Around the time all of this went down, Noreen received a reward poster for Johnny in the mail from an anonymous sender. And it's one that they were uh, posting everywhere where it has the composite sketch on it. At the bottom of the poster there's a picture on the left of Sam Soda and then on the right is the original composite sketch of the person driving the blue Ford Fairmont. However, Sam Soda's glasses had been drawn onto it and the mustache off the original one had been erased and it really looks like Sam Soda. Wow. Like crazy looks like Sam Soda.
0: So someone took the original drawing or sketch Added the glasses, erased the mustache to kind of show her, like, "Hey,
2: look who this looks like," and just sent it to her in the mail. <clears throat> Suppose, I mean, that's that's what Noreen says. Yeah, I have this picture, right? I got to look at it again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you can't even deny that at all.
1: That's the same person. So then, who sent
2: it? Who sent it? Indeed. The last time Sam Soda comes up in this story is regarding a man named Frank Sakura, who was 37 in 1984, and he delivered the Des Moines Register, the same paper that Johnny and Eugene delivered. So he was a 37 year old paper boy? He was. Okay.
0: No shame in that. He's out there uh, on the grind, hustling. It's not an easy job. Do you think he was pulling a wagon? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like to think so. In my mind's
2: eye, that's how I see him. Mike. Me too. Back in 1984, Sam Soda did an interview with Zecora, which I think Sam Soda was undercover because there's a lot of news articles about this from from back then. And the one prosecutor brings up the fact that any evidence that Sam Soda found can't be used because of the way he got the information. So I'm assuming he was undercover when he got this. Like legitimate law enforcement undercover? No, like going into business for himself. It was undercover. like a, so it
0: was like a PI but doing things illegally or ways that they the courts couldn't use. Yeah, and the police
2: were like, "Yeah, we can't do anything prosecute. with this." But then they still did their own investigation and got this Frank guy.
1: That makes sense, I guess. Like I can't set you up under some weird circumstances record you and then have it be admissible, right? Chris Hansen from Dateline NBC did it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of those guys <laughs> got tossed out, too.
0: Yeah, a lot of them. I've been watching those because on YouTube you can find a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Or whatever that new show was, Hanson versus Predator, mm-hmm. and at least the ones they show on TV. Not a lot of them are thrown out, but they get like just reduced charges to like yeah. where they're they're maybe serving thirty days and mm-hmm. then probation or whatever. It's like Chris yeah. Hanson's doing
1: cameos for a hundred bucks right now.
0: I think he still has that show though, too, doesn't he? He's I, doing it's like something. A YouTube.
1: It's a local that like that internet media company is based in Cleveland. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of people on Cameo. There's a ton. Why aren't
0: you on there, Mike? I think the people would love it. We need a Cameo, but it's like Cucks Cross America Cameo. You get on there and <laughs> could do like like uh, video cuck
1: sessions. There you go, cyber cucking. Oh. Where you make the husband sit in the corner on camera and you just... Yeah, something like that. <laughs> him and have her finger herself. Right. Yeah.
0: Look at that little bitch husband in the corner. Yeah, look at him cry (laughs) with his little cock cage on. (laughs) Do something like that.
2: That's more up my alley. The Moline, Illinois, dispatch reported on Frank Sakura getting arrested and said, quote, Soda
0: videotaped a two hour interview with Sikora Saturday night. Soda and two others searched Sakura's apartment and found numerous pornographic magazines and films, as well as pictures of the paper boys, which were turned over to investigators. This is a man who is in a position where he knows all the routes and all the carriers, said Soda. A spokesman for a group called Stolen Children are reported every day. That's clever.
2: Scared. (laughs) I didn't even think of it like that. (laughs) I assume that's why they did that. Stolen Children are reported every day. Frank Secor ended up being charged for child pornography and molesting at least seven boys, and he was sent to prison for a couple years. Regarding Johnny and Eugene specifically, Frank Secora took a polygraph test and passed. When he was asked if he had anything to do with their disappearances,
1: how exactly did Soda zero in on Sakura I don't know. You have prior knowledge of him, like they were somehow involved in all this, and they were looking for a way to get rid of him, like he was a loose end. Perhaps, maybe he'd like seen Soda something. might have been involved in all yeah. this too. And like
0: Goodfellas, when they're cleaning up because everyone starts talking. That's right. That's after right.
2: The heist. it's not clear all of a sudden Sam Soda is just busting up pedophile rings and Mm. yeah I don't know before we break all this down Noreen acknowledges who Paul Bishop really is but says that it's a conspiracy to either shut him up or revenge for telling her that Johnny was sold into a pedophilia ring in reality Paul Bishop wasn't a CIA agent He is convicted pedophile George Paul Bishop.
0: What, what, what? In
2: 2005, he was found guilty for producing, distributing, and financing child pornography in Annandale, Virginia. For this, he received a -a two-and-a-half-year prison sentence. When he was released, he registered as a sex offender, but has since gone off the radar. Virginia.gov has it listed as his sex offender status being renewed on March 10th, 2016, but he stopped checking in and now he's listed as wanted by the police. So how does Noreen know all of this? Who this guy really is? Yeah. So there is so much stuff like in these little nooks of the internet, these random sites that were made or like in ones that aren't there anymore back in the in the Wayback machine. I don't know how she knows who this guy is. One thing I saw was that one of the original maps drawn of the crime scene um, was signed. It was, she says that it was done by Paul Bishop. He drew this for her to prove to her that, that he knew what he was talking about, about how it all went down and he signed it. GPB. Okay. George Paul Bishop. Yeah. She says, I, I, I would assume, too, she sees his uh, his picture online. It was presented with his picture, too.
0: Like, found this out after she had spoken him a few times, and then he took off, and she never
1: heard from him again. She never heard from him again, yeah. So at this point, we have a convicted pedophile who plugged himself into the situation. Claiming to be CIA. Claiming to be CIA. Sam Soda, who looks almost exactly like the composite sketch of the suspect that's on the wanted the reward poster and another 37 year old paper boy who was also convicted of being a child porn guy all and, tied together somehow and plugged into this
0: and soda and Bishop allegedly not getting along and soda getting Bishop in trouble and having to testify in front of a grand jury yeah
1: like that's not coincidence
0: if Noreen, can't be yeah,
2: right if Noreen's telling the truth, that like Paul Bishop was at her house and Sam Soto was calling and they were fighting. And then there's all right. this like go into his office. They're obviously faking all of this in front of her. Mm-hmm. For what purpose was she getting close maybe
1: to finding something and they're just trying to dick with her and throw her off with all this. Perhaps it's like a disinformation kind of thing. W-
2: when you think about it in today's world, it, it would be like, oh, that's really, that's definitely a conspiracy. That's not real. That's not happening to you. But back then, Noreen really was making waves in this. She got, she was a big part in getting the missing and exploited children started, getting laws changed. So yeah, maybe. But so this is a big ring, you could
1: view that as her being a troublemaker and they try to either drive her crazy or
2: make her look crazy to the rest of the world with all these stories and just to discredit her yeah i feel like there's like a little thread in in here somewhere that if you just if somebody figured it out it could unravel something's missing Mm. between these three people everything yeah Yeah. you
1: know what's missing right now is some more of these (laughs) m&ms I can smell it from across the
0: table. They smell and taste delicious. Here, wow, well, you might as well take some while we're all chewing. All right. These are so damn good. Declan, take this bag, pass them out to all the audience. They each get one. One! Wash your grubby fucking hands. Been jerking off all day to pictures of your sister.
2: All right. Anyways, one thing we didn't talk about last week, we were talking about how like Noreen was paying for things and getting Johnny's name out there. One thing she started doing was selling chocolate bars. It had like the information in there, how to contact. That's a really good idea, actually. Yeah. So, and she used all that money to fund things, you know, to fund the searches for Johnny and stuff, but that got her a lot of publicity with different news organizations around the country. They're like, oh, look at this mom. She's has this big candy business. Yeah, She said the one year they sold like 400,000 candy bars. Damn. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, it obviously, if this happened, you would become your life's work. So
1: that's,
0: a, and that's all a, you would ever do, right? Such so a good idea,
1: too.
2: It is a great idea. We talk about Noreen a lot because she's the one that's like actively always kept going. For the longest time, her husband, John Sr., was... By her side, doing all this stuff. I think we'll talk about it, you know, next week maybe, but it seems like he got to the point where he just accepted what he yeah. felt happened. And it's exhausting. Just one, maybe sure. wanted to move on. Yeah, he's like, we got, I got to stop. You know, I can't keep doing this. Yeah, I get it can't that.
0: be good for your health, like to just continue. I mean, and it's understandable, but to agonize over it and spend every waking moment dealing with it, I mean, that's yeah. going to gonna take a toll on you at some point i could see it getting to where you would just like i we have to accept it's out of our hands and
2: yeah. try to move on with our lives yeah i mean what this is going on how many years 82 this happened and this is what 80 no i mean, oh, like I mean when now he, yeah oh
1: yeah it's 40 something years. 41 yeah.
2: years yeah also to raise awareness johnny and eugene were put on milk cartons they're known for being like the first milk carton case. Yeah, Cause yeah. it went nationwide. It was actually this kid named Eaton Pats. He was six years old in New York. He was the, they put yeah. his, on a, his picture on milk cartons around the city. Didn't go outside of New York, but he's technically the first milk did, carton. Did kid. they
1: solve his case as a cold case much later on? Do yeah. Do you know that story?
2: They got it from what I was reading. Not, not too long ago, right? Yeah. They That's got a, con- they got a confession and got a verdict on it. Mm. Yeah, he was six when he disappeared.
1: Yeah, it was in the Hasidic Jewish community, right? It was in Brooklyn. I think it was in Brooklyn. Yeah, I remember that story.
2: Yeah, a guy named Pedro Hernandez admitted to murdering him. and That was back in 1979. Now I'm curious how long that took. It was in the 2000s, I think. I think that's right, yeah.
1: Mike, just go ahead and have some more candy while
0: I'm... Oh, (laughs) badly.
2: Yeah, and you want to hit this? Yeah, 2012. Yeah, so within the last, what, like
1: 10 so years? mm mm-hmm.
2: The kid was abducted in Soho. My mistake. It was not Brooklyn. The search for Johnny kind of hit a wall. Things were slowing down a bit. Until the summer of 1985, when a dollar bill surfaced. I found this article in the Chicago Tribune from July 10th, 1985.
0: John and Noreen Gosh displayed the message written on a dollar bill, I am alive, and said Wednesday they would be willing to trade $400,000 in reward money for the safe return of their kidnapped son, Johnny. The 12-year-old boy disappeared September 5, 1982, after he left the family's West Des Moines, Iowa home to begin delivering Sunday papers. Gosh said $400,000 has been pledged for reward money. The, bill, the dollar bill surfaced as change given to a woman at a Sioux City, Iowa grocery store during the past month. A Treasury Department currency specialist said the bill had been in circulation since July 25, 1974. At a news conference attended by both Iowa senators, the Goshes offered to negotiate for their son's return, as well as to call off a private investigation and not to aid any legal action against the kidnapper. Please, we beg of you, contact us privately and allow us to have our son back, John Gosh said. Our son has endured enough pain and suffering. Please return him to us alive and unharmed. If his life has been taken, we ask that we may have information so that we at least know what has happened to him. Noreen Gosh showed to reporters a photocopy of the bill. To the side of the picture of George Washington, beneath United, was written, Quote, I am alive, Johnny Gosh. Three handwriting analysis have identified the signature as Johnny Gosh's. John Gosh said, quote, means a lot to us. Our son may be alive. Asked if they would pay ransom and how much, Noreen Gosh said, we in exchange will give them all the reward money offered for our
2: son. All we want is our boy back. Hmm, I don't know. Anybody could do that. And I don't know about handwriting experts. I think we talked about the... uh...
1: Inadequacy of handwriting analysis, right? Yeah. Do they
0: have a history of being wrong, though? Handwriting analysis <laughs> analysts or is it I mean, I don't know much about it, but is it like a lie detector test where it's just like, eh, it's kind of like it's shaky or is I there an actual so. like are they usually pretty
1: good with that? I don't know. I know we've talked about it before and did not seem to be all that accurate. It's debated. Like, it's, yeah, not, like it's, it's not it's not a
0: concrete science. thing, yeah. It's also almost message in the bottle esque. Like if Johnny Gosh did do that, is he just hoping that one day ends up in the hands of someone who actually like like I don't ever look at my my dollar bills. Like you, you know, that's a long attention. shot. Like that's an extreme long shot. Like I said, like a message in a bottle type mm-hmm. situation,
2: which would just be crazy if that were true. Did anyone think Noreen just wrote it on there and well, somebody came forward with it. The goshes were contacted. You know, if you believe it for what it is, a woman found it, or maybe that woman faked it, or hoping to maybe get some of the reward money, perhaps. Yeah. The reward money and the publicity of this. You know, she, her phone was getting blown up. They had to change their phone numbers and stuff because you get weird people calling. And We've talked about
0: that before, too, when police
2: stations put that out for,
0: or, you know, get, call us at the tip line. Wasn't it like BTK or, or somebody like that? And, like,
2: their phones were blowing up with... with Son of Sam. Was it Son of Sam? Mm-hmm. On March 29th, 1986, another 13-year-old boy went missing. This time, Mark James Warren Allen second. At the time and still online today, you'll see that Mark was a paper boy. So between Johnny Eugene and now Mark, someone is clearly targeting paperboys specifically. But that is not the case. Mark was not a paper boy. Not to say that it's not all related, it's just not, you know, he just wasn't a paper boy. So it's not like a serial killer out there just getting paper boys. Yeah. It's easier to write the story if they're all three paper boys, right? Yeah. Sloppy. Mark was last seen in Des Moines, Iowa on March 29, 1986. He lived with his mother and two siblings on Southwest Emma Avenue. On the day of his disappearance, he told his mom he was going to walk to a friend's home down the street and possibly they would go see a movie. He asked his mom to save some pizza for him to eat when he got home. He never arrived at his friend's house. Mark's mother didn't realize he was missing until the next morning. After she called his grandmother and his friends and none of them had seen him, she called the police, but they refused to open an investigation until forty eight hours had passed, even though the Johnny Gosh bill had already been passed, which says that law enforcement in Iowa has to act immediately. Mark has never been seen or heard from again.
0: Wish Dave had that boo clip on his uh, <laughs> 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 police
2: saying, No, nah, we're gonna wait. It, it, I guess that's a little better than seventy-two yeah, I guess hours. They saved
1: twenty-four hours
0: off. <laughs> like, look, we're giving you a day. Extra day.
2: We'll get on it. Jeez. Regarding Johnny's case, things quieted down after the dollar bill. So like the three year period. Then in nineteen eighty-eight, a letter showed up at the Gosh home that read, quote, I'll never be permitted to return home. They've cut my hair. They've dyed my hair. I look different. Please don't ever forget me. Love. Your son, Johnny Gosh! I'm going to say if,
1: if that's not him and someone's faking that, boy, you, what a scumbag, huh? It's
0: fucked up.
2: Noreen said that she knew it was really Johnny because the family always joked that he didn't need to sign notes with his first and last name and write your son before it because they all knew who he was. <laughs>
1: He's very formal.
2: It's all right. John Sr. confirmed this, that Johnny always signed notes like that the FBI looked at the note and they couldn't say one way or another, but they said that they were keeping an open mind with leads in the investigation. I don't, it's, it's everything with this case. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to say that Noreen's lying or that she went crazy or.
1: That's possible.
2: Or yeah, it very well is. And I think, well, I'll save it, but or somebody's faking this, you know, being a complete asshole to her by sending this sure, letter. Sure.
0: Did they, there was
1: actually a letter though, right? The FBI Mm -hmm. actually saw it. Yeah. But I mean, the letter could have been her though, right? Trying to get it back in the public eye after the the case went cold for so many years, right? Yeah. like, I'll do whatever it takes. So if this is what I have to do to get them talking about it again, then that's what I'll do. I understand that.
2: Because yeah, we have the dollar bill found in 85, the note in 88.
1: Hard to say. Necronomapod
0: is sponsored by BetterHelp. Take a second to think about how much time you spend on yourself in a given week. Now compare that to the time you spend on others. It's easy, isn't it, to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. Meanwhile, you're never taking a moment to think about your own needs. Getting that late-night call from a distressed friend, taking care of a sick child, or helping coworkers who are slammed with work. Assisting the people around us is important, but when we all spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Therapy is all about giving your mental health the self-care it deserves because sometimes we don't set aside enough time to focus on improving ourselves, being too busy focusing on improving those around us. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey to better balance in your life from wherever you are. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. It's time to find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash today and get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com
2: the next person we need to talk about in this story is a guy named John DeCamp. He was a Republican who served in the Nebraska legislature from 1971 to 1987. He famously wrote the book, The Franklin Cover Up Child Abuse, Sanism, and Murder in Nebraska, which we're going to be talking about that book in part three. That seems even crazier. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> He was the lawyer for the militia of Montana, not to be confused with the freemen that were up there. They had a standoff that Art Bell reported on oh, yeah. extensively back in the day. Yeah. A uh, whole episode. Multiple episodes that on that. Yeah,
0: he did like a whole open line show for it and would have people from both sides on arguing, and he would just sit back and moderate. <laughs> it was great. If you can find it's if you have the Coast to Coast uh, app subscription, You can find it on there. Otherwise, I'm sure you can find it on one of the gimmick accounts or YouTube or something.
2: It's a good one. They were a really radical Oklahoma City bombing type group that was formed in response to Ruby Ridge. Very violent, anti-Semitic. There was like a whole incident where they just rolled into the police station of the town doing the whole free men thing like they don't have Mm. to follow laws. Yeah. Like eighty thousand in cash and all kind of automatic weapons and stuff. So he was their lawyer. Okay. Were they affiliated with Elohim City at all? I would
1: assume so. Those guys are my
2: favorite. (laughs) 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 By 1990, the search for Johnny Gosh was officially a cold case. But in 1991, the Gashes received a tip from John DeCamp. John DeCamp was the defense lawyer for a man named Paul Benasci. Paul Banashi was born on August 3, 1967, so he would have been 14 or 15 when Johnny Gosh was abducted. In 1990, Paul Benasci was facing charges for sexually assaulting a child in Nebraska, and John DeCamp was going through the case file to defend Paul. According to DeCamp, He was reading a transcript from an interview Paul did with a psychiatrist, and Paul told a story about a boy from Iowa being abducted. Before we get into all this, we'll talk about Paul's accounts of abuse he suffered in Part 3 a lot more, but I do 100% believe that Paul was sexually abused as a child. I just don't know what to make of the Franklin cover-up stuff. Everything we're going to talk about here in a minute with his involvement with Johnny Gosh, I don't know. What's How could interview? you, right? I, I don't think I ever will, but yeah. we're just going to cover it. Paul was from a very broken home, and his home situation allowed him to be preyed on by pedophiles. One of those pedophiles was a man Paul only knew by the name of Emilio, who Paul met in Crater Lake, Iowa. When Paul was around 13 years old, he was brought in by Emilio to be a runner of drugs and to lure young boys into being kidnapped and sold into a pedophilia ring. Yeah
0: can you imagine if they could like add a laugh track just like randomly on like svu or just something like that make it make it a
1: lot better it
0: would be it would be entertaining television you just never know when a laugh track is going to be (laughs) instead of (laughs) the
2: according to paul the day before johnny gosh disappeared emilio took him from omaha to a hotel in des moines where they met two men named sam and tony sam was showing emilio photographs of paper boys telling him how much money he could make off them one photo paul says of johnny gosh was separated from the stack early the next morning all of them went out to abduct johnny so middle of the night because johnny was abducted at 6 a.m yeah. paul rode in the back of the car driven by emilio at a certain point the car stopped and a boy was shoved in Following the directions of Emilio, Paul held the boy down and chloroformed him. At that point, Johnny was transferred to a van driven by Sam and Tony. From there, they stopped in Council Bluffs, Iowa, to get a drink, then brought Johnny to a farmhouse near Sioux City, Iowa, owned by a man named Charlie. Johnny was scared and crying and asked Paul what was going to happen to him. For at least a week, Johnny was kept in a locked, locked, windowless room at the farmhouse and at one point Paul said that he was forced to rape Johnny to quote break him in according to Paul Johnny ended up being bought by a man he only knew as the colonel Paul says that the colonel had a ranch in Colorado and that's where he took Johnny in March of 1986 Emilio took Paul with him to the colonel's ranch and Johnny was still alive being held captive that's quite a story that's what Paul says happened I mean, he's got the names down,
1: right? Sam. Sorry, talking about Sam Soda.
0: There's a lot of interesting stuff that comes out of mm. uh, what Paul Bonacci has to say.
2: It makes it even more confusing. It absolutely. does. Because there's oh, yeah. there's holes in his story that we're going to poke in part three that mm. just confuses it more. But are they holes
1: because he forgot maybe something? Or are they holes because he made the whole thing up? Mm. When I
0: learn about what they those holes are, I'll tell you my opinion. Stay tuned. I'll be waiting for it. All right. Put me making their checkmark still undecided.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I hope this story isn't true. I know this kind of stuff happens in the world and there is really scary stuff. There's just.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of times we cover stuff on here like aliens, cryptids. We're like, we want this to be true because the world's a better place when or it would be more fun if that was around. This is not that. This is the one we don't want to be true because the world's a terrible place when this kind of stuff's around.
1: It just seems so local because it's Iowa, you know? Not that it makes it any different. It's just, just small town. Yeah. Like if this boys. is happening in Iowa.
0: I mean, this is, I mean, it's very like our town that we live in, mm-hmm. right? Like we're just small town Ohio. Yeah.
1: Makes it, you know. Is West Des Moines a small town?
2: Is it like a suburb of Des Moines? I don't that know. That I don't I think know. about. West Des
1: Moines.
2: The way it's always described, like the, at least the neighborhood Johnny Gosh lived in was like upper middle class, quiet, nothing ever happens there. Yeah. It's
0: pronounced Des Moines <laughs> <laughs> by the locals. Is that
2: right?
1: Yeah. I'll remember that for next episode. Mm-hmm.
2: So, John DeCamp called the gashes with this information. He only spoke to John Sr. first. John Sr. hid this information from Noreen about Paul Benashi. John Sr. hired a new private investigator named Roy Stevens to investigate the claims that Paul was making and questioned Paul himself. Part of the evidence taken from Paul when he was arrested for sexually assaulting a child was his diaries. One entry talked about an incident in September of 1982 where Emilio took Paul to a farmhouse in Iowa where two boys were being held captive. The older of the two boys was named Johnny, came from Des Moines, and was about 13 years old, had blue eyes with brown hair, and wore a Kim's Academy shirt with black athletic pants. Roy Stevens also found a neighbor that lived on the same street as the Goshes, who said a couple weeks before the disappearance, she saw a car with California plates parked and taking pictures, one of which looked like it could have been Johnny. That witness has never been named, but if true, we could assume that these were the pictures shown uh, in the hotel that night. Right, right. Was the diary entry like contemporaneous
1: back from when this happened in 1982, or did he write a diary entry nine years later when he was trying to, I don't know what he's trying to do, but. We
2: don't know. And there's, there's, there's claims of like a forensics lab looking at the pages and seeing where the ink is. But it's like, it's one of the things where you're just taking someone's word on it some random person is just telling you that that has happened and mm-hmm. there's nothing concrete. We don't, you just don't know. What was John DeCamps
1: and, and Paul's motivation for reaching out to them? Was he trying to, I don't know, cut some sort of deal for his client with the charges he was facing by like trying to provide information about this cold case or something. not sure what the point of this is you you're kind of implicating yourself in additional crimes when you're reaching out to
2: victims and sure. telling the story. From my understanding, Paul Benassi had already been convicted of one crime related to child molestation. Okay. John DeCamp was defending him in more charges. So he was already sitting in jail. Hmm. So maybe it could be something to get his current jail sentence, you know, brought down. Yeah. Okay. There's also some stuff in part three we're going to talk about why John DeCamp, you know, his motivations for making all of this up in his whole book is just conspiracy nonsense. Oh, boy.
0: This whole story is just conspiracy Mm. slash theory slash zero actual evidence. That's
1: the thing is there is nothing concrete. Well, a lot of people 100% believe the Franklin thing's real, right? So I'm not sure everyone's going to agree with your take on this, right?
0: what what's my i don't have a no i'm talking to him sorry oh
2: yeah i don't know it's a hard sell yeah to sell me that the government is participating in satanic rituals sacrificing children is this all next week stuff yeah okay sacrificing kids and having you know sex stuff with all these kids i don't know it's a tough sell
0: Okay. So coming into this is like I said, well, as always, like so who knows nothing about this. I'm not going to actually get any bit of evidence am I? It's no. going to be just all of this stuff that makes my head hurt and then you're, you're going to be like, "All right, what are your final thoughts?" and I'm like, "Fuck you. I don't know. Can, <laughs> can we start from more the M&Ms? beginning?" Yeah, can we start from the beginning again? I'll get a fresh pack of M&Ms. All right. Well, that's good to know then because I've been trying to put together in my head what I think is happening, but there is nothing to base it on. Shut the fuck up, uh, Siri. Why do I keep setting off your phone? I don't know. That's good stuff. That's an interesting... Didn't I say what the fuck? That's an interesting question. What is the fuck?
2: (laughs) She likes your voice. She responds well to it. Well, most women do. (laughs) In the summer of 1991, family friends of the Goshes who were at a Mexican restaurant in Denver, Colorado, noticed that, quote, Johnny Gosh was here. Was written on a bathroom wall. All right, so there's just too many things happening here. After this made its way back to the Gosh family, Roy Stevens checked it out. He took a bunch of pictures of the restaurant, including the outside and the bathroom wall. When Paul Benassi was shown a picture of nothing but the restaurant from the outside, according to Roy Stevens, he accurately described its interior and recounted how he, Johnny, and another boy were painting their nails then went into the bathroom and wrote on the wall using their red nail polish. According to Noreen and Roy Stevens, the message on the wall that Johnny Gosh was here was written with red nail polish.
1: How many Mexican restaurants do you think there are in Denver? A lot. And this just happens to be written on the wall in a bathroom that happens to be friends of the Goshes that go there in Denver?
0: Yeah, who saw it again? Family friends of the
1: family guests. friends, yeah.
0: Hmm. But then tie that back into Paul describing the restaurant and mentioning red nail
2: polish. Yeah, if if he did, I, yeah. Well, it's only coming from Roy Stevens, correct? I mean, Paul banashi has done some interviews and talked,
0: but but you know, this I, is I, I took this was, as he mentioned red nail polish before it even came out that it was red nail polish, right? That's how it's according portrayed. to Roy.
1: Yeah, it seems. Like a fantastic story that all these different, yeah, coincidences keep happening.
0: Unless it's not, and he was involved in this, then it's it makes sense that he everything he's saying has some kind of
1: link. If he is involved, yeah, I'm just saying it, that friends of the Goshes in Denver happened to go to the one Mexican restaurant in town where he happened to have written well, on the right. wall. I put, it put that seems implausible. The same with writing on a dollar bill, and then it just,
0: yeah. you know falling in the hands of someone who knows the story yeah. it, or heard of it, you know, cause there's probably a lot of people that didn't know this cause they don't pay attention to the news or whatever at the
1: time. Yeah, it's a lot of randomness. There's a lot of randomness. I'm not sure how to take this yet.
2: Paul also received a bunch of letters during his prison time, which he claims are people that were victims of the Franklin pedophile ring. We're going to talk about next week. In those letters, there's references to J.G., Johnny, Emilio, and uh, the COL being short for Colonel. One letter postmarked June 1990 from Sacramento referred to J.G. getting face surgery and going back to blonde and said that, quote, The Colonel is gone to Mexico and took J.G. with him. Another letter alluded to other missing boys from Des Moines, like Eugene Martin, stating that, quote, J.G. was not the only boy we got from D.M. Allegedly, Paul showed Roy Stevens a letter discussing the 1986 message at the Mexican restaurant in Denver. In part, he said, quote, I remember the restaurant in Colorado. We painted our nails and I wrote on the wall with J.G.
1: Has anyone seen all these letters? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: But and they, they might dated from when he was locked up, like prior to all of this coming
2: out. Right. But oh, they yeah. might not be actual victims of mm. this pedophile ring.
0: Meaning, what? They're just his friends
2: writing to him? Like, why, I, I think you, there's a big conspiracy going on to further people's careers and selling conspiracies mm. and for political gain and maybe a little revenge for some things. Okay. But that's part three. That stuff. opens <laughs> things up a bit. I
0: can't All wait right. for part three now.
2: Well, it's a good start. Ian's going to be on a, uh,
0: a Burke. <laughs> Let me be very clear about this mission.
2: Like I said, the, I know this kind of stuff exists, you know, with children being sold and especially in places like Thailand and so it's terrible. And I know it happens in the United States. It's a hard sell, though, to tell me that people high up in the government are doing satanic rituals and sacrificing children after they have sex with them. More to come on that later.
0: (laughs) This entire episode is a promo for part three.
2: (laughs) Paul dropped a lot of names in that story. So the first one's Emilio. We don't know for sure who Emilio is.
1: Is it possible
2: it's Emilio Estevez?
1: I was just going to say, we can confirm it's probably not Emilio Estevez. <laughs> can't yeah. confirm anything, Val. He was yeah, too though. busy coaching the Mighty Ducks at this time.
2: <laughs> There's a man that I've seen talked about online as a suspect, but I don't think that we should say his name. We can't say that he was arrested for molesting uh, a child in Cedar Rapids, Illinois, and it was a paperboy in 1966. Uh, And he was arrested in Houston, Texas, for selling child pornography in 2014. Dox him! Dox him! Dox him!
0: (laughs) Come on, have some respect. We would never do that to Bob Dole.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bob Dole.
2: (laughs) The next one is Tony. Tony would have been the tall man that walked out from the bushes across the street and followed Johnny Down 42nd to Marquardt. There are multiple suspects that people have talked about online. But again, you know, they're all people that have been arrested for, you know, child pornography, things like that. But I don't think that we can say their names like that. No. I think it would get us into trouble just blasting people. Sure would.
0: (laughs) Accusing people of being sexual (laughs) child predators. I mean, they are. For sure, if they're connected with this case. Right. I think his real name is...
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: what we should do. Just say their names and then just bleep it out. <laughs> just <to>
2: sound cool. <laughs> Sam. Uh, after a while, the gashes started to suspect that there was something off about Sam Soda. Then they sent, then they got sent that poster with a side-by-side pic of Sam Soda and the composite sketch of the man driving the Ford Fairmont. The so private investigator, Roy Stevens, took a bunch of photos to Paul to check out and asked him if he recognized any of the guys. Paul pulled out the picture of Sam Soda and said that that was the Sam that was showing Emilio pictures of kids that would be worth money. Mm. This one I don't find so far fetched because Sam Soda exists and he interjected himself in this case.
1: Yeah, and he looked exactly like the fucking (laughs) suspect sketch (laughs) to a T.
2: Charlie, Paul Bonacci said that Johnny was taken to a farmhouse near Sioux City, Iowa, owned by a guy named Charlie. There is a man who owned a farm in Sioux City named Charlie, but his criminal history is just a charge for prostitution back in 84. theft, Selling or buying? uh, I think buying. Oh, okay. Theft in 89 and simple assault in 89. From what I've read, there is nothing to assume that this man was involved in this at all, other than that his name is Charles and he owned a farm in Sioux City. So definitely can't say his name.
1: That's enough for me. Name him. Name <laughs> him.
2: His name's real easy to find, unfortunately, because I don't, I really did not see anything that would be like, okay, this is the guy. Charlie Jones? <laughs> <And> Charlie
1: Smith? <laughs> is <this> Charlie Brown? <laughs> <laughs> we will have
2: Charlie Brown's teacher announce his name.
1: I <laughs> don't no understand it. Right
2: the ranch in Colorado that Johnny was taken to and held. I feel like this is kind of like that Patreon episode where we were like, Oh, it's, you know, redacted happened to (laughs) redacted over and over again. There isn't enough to really speculate on the specifics of this ranch on the, uh, on a podcast that I feel comfortable with. It's a lot of guessing online as to what ranch it could have been. We don't know that for sure. And there are everyday people who live at those ranches. Paul Benassi took America's Most Wanted to one in Buena Vista, Colorado, near an elephant-shaped rock. America's Most Wanted said that they looked into the property records of that ranch and it had been owned by a former prison guard. They didn't put specific, um, like an address or anything on this ranch, yeah. you know. I saw four or five different options or theories that people had of what branch it could be, but we don't know the Colonel. According to Paul, the Colonel owned the ranch in Colorado and suspects for who the Colonel could be are the shakiest of all the potential suspects that we just talked about. Colonel Sanders. <laughs> according to Noreen around 2 30 AM in March of 1997, so, around 15 years later, she was woken up by a knock at her front door. Waiting outside was her son, Johnny Gosh, And that's where we'll pick back up on part three.
0: What?
2: <laughs> In part three, we'll get into Noreen's alleged meeting with Johnny, the Franklin cover-up.
0: Which Ian thinks does not exist.
2: <laughs> and some pictures that I wish I had never seen.
0: Sorry, I didn't mean to send those to you. That was for... uh. uh Broad. <laughs> a female I was talking to. How broad. I like the term broad. I wish, I, I think they find it offensive now. I wish it wasn't. It's a
1: classy name.
0: That's what I mean. That's today. a classy
1: broad, that yeah. one.
0: Like, I'm not, I'm not calling you a bitch or <laughs> slut or a skank. I'm calling you a broad. You can call me whatever you want. I'm not going to care. I'm just saying. What about
1: dame? Can you use the word dame instead?
0: I don't know. Same. I'm going to try that one out. We'll see how that works. Good. See if they like it. Um, so Ian's going to piss everyone off in part 3, is that what you're saying, Dave? Uh,
1: not everyone, I think some people. We've provided us a lot of questions but no answers tonight, sir. This is one of the <laughs> the maybe the most I've ever
0: just been befuddled leaving an episode. Like I don't know what to I, I have no idea what to make of any of this. Like right I have
1: now. all these characters up in my head with a map of the area and trying to uh, like just put all this together what happened. Mm. It's really weird. Do you very know very odd story. Yeah, you need like the red yarn and That's like exactly
0: yeah. right. You know. Do you know how like in old cartoons like like maybe Roadrunner or Coyote or something when like they start fighting and it's just like arms and legs coming out and you <laughs> <Right>. see smoke. <laughs> right. That is literally what my head feels like trying to think of this. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean there's people that think that Johnny Gosh probably was just killed pretty quick right away. And none of this happened. Mm -hmm. This is all fake and all smoke and mirrors. Like people fucking with the family or people fucking with the family. Political stuff we'll get into next week. I'm going to have to do some pondering this week on this one. I won't probably think about this again until we sit down next
0: week. But (laughs) I am looking forward to hearing more about this (laughs) because I like when we have controversial takes. Maybe for once it'll it'll be Ian saying something that'll upset people instead of Dave or I doing something.
1: Looking forward to it. Yeah.
0: I'm going to sit here with my MMs and just listen to Ian talk and
1: <laughs> hear me crunching. I'm going to feed Ian's voice into an AI thing here and start coming up with all kinds of offensive things <laughs> for Ian <laughs> Ian voice to say. Call hey, up. Ian voice, what do you think about this? She's broad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So
0: I mean, I anything else Ian on this one on this part
2: I don't know where I stand on this right now I think that Sam Soda had something to do with this he's the most there's this there's the most smoke with Sam Soda I think that's probably right it's literally his face on the <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
1: What's interesting is you have to figure out why someone who can clearly be identified on the reward poster is going to intentionally inject themselves into yeah. the victim's family and 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 you know make themselves known. Right. That's very as part odd. of the
2: story. It's very strange. I would assume, you know, assuming that he kidnapped Johnny or had something to do with that, I would assume that he works for or has connections with some type of pedophilia ring. And like you said earlier, Noreen's making waves, waves that have never been made before. There's Mm -hmm. new laws getting passed because of her. Maybe let's get close to her, see what she's doing, and kind of lead her on a a trail of nothing.
1: Seems to be the only thing that makes any bit of sense at this point. Mm -hmm. So we'll wrap it all up next week. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, what do you got for us? Well... (laughs) NecrodamaPod would like to thank and welcome the following new patrons thank you to jessica bianchi cassie all damian hernandez tj hall lisa cruz robin johnston colin o'brien katarina mason balloon not tickler (laughs) that's fun at doctor's offices mr balloon not tickler balloon not tickler party for two (laughs) Daniel Sane, Bill Haferkamp, Hunter Abbey, Haley, Cheyenne Hamlin, Nile Moran, Thomas Kirk, BLTN, Jeremy Taylor, Caleb Weir, Valerie Pyle Nilauzen, Caroline Darwin, Erica Galkowski, MILF Alicious. MILF Alicious? MILF Alicious. I know her. You want that contact information? I know that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Noelani Mersh, Kat, Rivera, the 24th, XXIV, that's 24, right? Yeah. <laughs> Titus Clark, Yumper Kumper, Mugs, the Mighty Clitoris Inspector, <laughs> Leah Buell, Daniela, Nathan Lane, Maddie Roberts has a juicy, fat ass. Hey, what's up?
0: (laughs) Oh, so I'm glad Nathan Lane signed up for Patreon.
1: Fine actor. From the producers? Yeah. Nathan Lane? Yeah. Face down, ass up. That's the way I like to fuck. (laughs) Shakezilla Warbringer. Michael Hale. Sarah Schism, Todd Frank, Sarah Laird, Steve Kosinski, Sheena Morris, Nikki Burns, Cheyenne Alvey, Nick Taylor, KG Madeira, Jennifer Payne, and Leah Heger. Thank you so
2: much for your support, new patrons. Ian. For iTunes, I won for Mark versus Food, SJ Riley, Daniel James, and Mac Daddy and Cheese. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. He can gimmick his name all he wants. We know
1: that's two star mark.
2: Yeah, not it is Mark two versus starters. food. I know. I was fuck out of to, here, pal. I was trying to
1: give him a break. <laughs> mm, not I. Uh, he already got a break. He got to marry that hot wife that he's underqualified <laughs> for. Get the fuck out of here with that guy. <laughs> uh,
0: when she was picking out. Husband, she probably was high and excellently clicked on a two-star husband. click <laughs> <laughs> to on a five-star husband. <laughs> uh,
1: Dave, anything else? I've got one international shout-out for Lycan90 from New Zealand. Thank you for the kind words. We're getting close to Memorial Day. We haven't had any military shout-outs in a while. No, nothing.
0: All right, well, I've maybe, maybe they'll
1: come in. Send them. Yeah. Love to read them
0: you're a vet or active member of the military, let us know. Memorial Day's coming up. We'll be happy to shout you out.
2: Um, Real quick. Um, yeah. I feel bad that we couldn't dive into some of those suspects on this episode. So if people want to, it's pretty easy to Google those names, you know, mm-hmm. those there you th- go. those yeah. aliases. It's pretty easy to do, you know, and then you can just go down your own rabbit holes. Like I went down the rabbit holes forever on those people yeah. and found some good information. It's just... I'm not trying to get ourselves in trouble. Yeah, you guys can dox them if you want. That way we won't get sued. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not trying to get in trouble. But yeah.
0: I think that makes sense. That's smart. Yeah. All right. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, the talk tick at Necronomapod, patreon.com slash Necronomapod, Amazon.com, search Necronomapod for all of our merch and Necronodpod.com for stickers that are back and in stock.
2: Alright, you guys ready for a cooldown beer?
1: Cheers!